Well, good morning, church. A couple of things before we dive into our message this morning. I want to share with you just some more announcements. Uh, thanks to Han for putting that video together. Uh, looked, uh, looked great. And, and men, yeah, 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 yeah. We can give him a round of applause. Uh, men, we would love to see you next, uh, next Saturday evening for the men's year in review and what's new. Um, I will be here. I look forward to uh, filling this room uh, full of men who are eager to get involved, who are eager to get to work, who are eager to change lives for Christ. And uh, it starts, uh, and you, get, you can dive right in next, uh, next Saturday night, 6 to 8 p.m. right here in this room. We would love to see you. There's also a men's event coming up that's held at First Church in Burlington. Uh, it's an Iron Sharpens Iron conference. It's coming up on March 7th. It's a Saturday from 8, uh, 30 a.m. to 5 p.m. There is a fee, and there's registration uh, that's required. Over at the men's base camp, I put some little business cards over there today. Uh, if you'd like to join us, um, please take one of those, get registered. You can do your registration online yourself, um, and all the information's there at the base camp. Uh, also, women, we have a uh, self-defense class that's coming up on February 29th, it's a Saturday, right here as well. Mike Dominic, who uh, owns and operates Dominic's Taekwondo, is going to donate his time that day to uh, teach you all some self-defense. There is a sign-up sheet at the Connect With Us table today, uh, so go ahead, get registered, get signed up. There's no cost for the self-defense class, uh, so we'd love, love to see you. Um, a couple of family items. Last week, Blake mentioned Superstart. This is a conference for our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Um, it is held at the Northern Kentucky Convention Center. It's a great time. Um, if you've not, if you have a fourth, fifth, or sixth grader who's not ever been, this is a great opportunity for them to really grow in big ways um, through a CIY conference. So we would love to have you a part of that. Today is the day, though, to let Blake know. That doesn't mean that you have to pay today, but it's, it's important that we get in at the best price possible. So please let Blake know uh, today if your fourth, fifth, or sixth grader wants to attend. You can see him upstairs after, after service today. And also Amplify tonight. Um, amplifies back 6 to 8 p.m., uh, new times, and actually new location. It is held in the student lounge, so don't come to the FLC if you're coming. Uh, head up to the student lounge for that. Uh, a great night planned for students 6th through 12th grade. A uh, couple other quick announcements. Bill Cordenbrock has agreed to head up our, pray, our prayer team. And that prayer team uh, has sign-up sheets we're going to take for a few more weeks here. Uh, if you are someone who has a heart uh, for praying for our people, and you would be willing to be scheduled to come forward and uh, spend some time at the end of service with our church family and visitors who may need prayer needs uh, or have prayer needs, uh, sign up today. Give the opportunity for Bill to, to reach out to you. There'll be some training involved. We're not going to just throw you to the wolves and, and uh, expect you just to you know, run with it. We'll, we'll give you some training and some background and uh, give us the opportunity to, uh, to minister to our people in new ways. So the prayer team sign up is over there. And I also want to mention these wristbands uh, one more time. The wristbands are over there for pickup. Uh, these wristbands say, you belong here. And the other side, Nicholson Christian Church uh, and our website. The reason I'm mentioning these is, uh, if you haven't been with us or have missed a, a few weeks, um, this is a tool that we're utilizing for you to invite people here. We believe that each one of you are going to encounter someone in the week, whether you know them or whether you don't, that could use a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe that Nicholson is a great place to find that. So we ask that you take one of these wristbands every Sunday. The only rule is that you can't bring it back, all right? You have to give it away this week to somebody, okay? 
And then we actually put a new spot on our website. The new website is up. If you haven't had a chance, go check it out, nicholsonchristian.org. But we have a spot there where we're actually collecting stories. So if you have an interaction with someone and it's powerful and you want to share that story with us, we would love to celebrate those things on Sunday morning. So uh, go to resources. There's wristband stories is what it says, and you can submit uh, your story right there. We would love to hear it. Take just a second, listen to the words that are going to play in this video, and, and take a look at this, and we'll get started. Father, in this moment, we choose to slow down and wait for you. Right now, you are all that we need. So quiet all the distractions stirring in our heads. Still the storms that have surrounded us and bring us in sync with your spirit. Even the young grow tired those who wait on you will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And they shall lift up your name. You know, vision is a forward-thinking strategy. We obviously, we, we learn and we grow from our experiences and our, and our history, but vision is a forward-thinking, forward-focused approach. You, you want to achieve something better for your life, you want to make goals, you want to grow closer to God, and you, you move forward. You let God inspire vision. We discussed this a couple of weeks back when we talked about Nehemiah. Nehemiah prayed, he wept, he became centered on God, and God, in turn, inspired vision. God gave Nehemiah the path forward that he needed, that he asked for. So, doesn't it seem, when it comes to vision, a series on vision, that that would be a great place to wrap up? Here's the deal. I, I shared at the end of the message on Nehemiah that it isn't that easy. Satan works. Satan is working in our world, and sometimes our focus, it gets cloudy. Our own plans may overtake the direction God would have us go, like Jonah. Last week, we saw how God's plan, God's vision for Jonah didn't align with what Jonah had envisioned for his life, for the work that God would have him do. Jonah thought it would be different, so he ran. He did all that he could to run away. However, many of us know 
how persistent and powerful God truly is. God never gives up. God chased down Jonah in the most God-like ways to ensure that Jonah would carry out God's plan, that Jonah wouldn't mess up God's vision. But what about when you seek God, you reach for God to provide you direction, provide you vision, and He doesn't really seem to answer you? Is God really silent? Has He really, really forsaken you and the direction your life should go? Can your faith survive in the absence of discernible external blessing? Let me repeat that. Can your faith survive in the absence of discernible external blessing? You know, I've shared, many of you know, we adopted. We have have two girls that we uh, brought home from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I've shared some of this, but, uh, and, and some of you may have heard all of it because we're, we're close and, and you've shared. But basically, uh, we decided that adoption would be part of our family story in 2000, really earlier than that. We had uh, had a couple of failed attempts based on some other things, uh, some other uh, country issues. But around uh, 2012 to 2013, we decided that adoption would be a part of our family. We would grow our family, and we chose the Democratic Repu- Republic of the Congo. And we pursued an international adoption and were matched with girls in early 2013. And we began the process. We began the process uh, to bring them home. And in August of 2013, moving very quickly, um, through the grace of God, we found out that legally they were declared ours in DRC. So if we lived in DRC, we would have taken them home. They would have been with us wrapped up. Okay, but we live in America, and we know how that system can get cloudy. And in September of 2013, the government in DRC suspended the issuance of exit permits. So we could do every aspect of the adoption process. We could, we could get our home study. We could get all of the court details. We could get all of, uh, all of the visa paperwork. We could get everything finished up to the point of receiving one piece of paper that is called an exit permit that allows us to put them on an airplane to bring them home. So we, along with 450 other American families, not mentioning the other countries that we're adopting, were stuck. We began a journey with, a, with an organization called Both Ends Burning, where we worked uh, tirelessly with the other parents through social media and through, uh, through avenues um, that we could. Uh, sometimes people would get together in person. We would do everything we could to prepare Both Ends Burning to petition and go before Congress, which they did. A lady named Kelly Dempsey, who is uh, an attorney who fought, who was instrumental uh, when the Haitian earthquake happened and the American government did an emergency visa, flew a plane and put all of those Haitian children on an airplane and brought them to America immediately. Kelly was instrumental in that process. And so we worked tirelessly. We got, we, both ends burning, got to the president, got to the president of the United States to implore him to act on our behalf. What part of the story that I'm not sharing is that we actually did finally bring our girls home, but it was October of 2017, almost five years after we adopted them and we were matched with them. During that time, we waited 
We didn't know where God was in it. We kept thinking, how high is this mountain? How high do we have to climb? Now, I'm going to share a little bit more later because on the other side of the mountain, we don't have all the answers. We have no idea why God took that long, but there's been some real powerful support information that's come clear to us, and I'll share that with you a little later. But today, so often, we can find ourselves in situations in our lives where we need direction. The going is getting tough, and we desperately need answers. Yet instead of God appearing to guide us, appearing to lead us forward, we can assume that He must be miles away. There's that word, assume. We assume He's miles away or that He doesn't seem to care. See, this is why I believe this is a perfect way to wrap up this series on vision. Because the book will examine today the character that's giving us our example of the character of God's vision is Habakkuk. So go ahead, grab your Bibles and turn to Habakkuk. Okay, I'll give you a hint. It's in the Old Testament. Okay, I'll give you another hint. It's between Nahum and Zephaniah. Still nothing? All right, how about this? Turn to Matthew and hang a left, okay? It's the fifth book from the end of the Old Testament. It's short. It's only three chapters, but it packs a very, very important message, one that is often quoted later in the New Testament. But the righteous one will live by his faith. That's found in chapter 2 of Habakkuk, but it's quoted by Paul in Romans 1. But truth be told, unless you have been intentional or you've had a reason, you probably have skipped by Habakkuk. So let me set the scene for you this morning. Habakkuk is written toward the end of the 7th century BC. Now this is the time, time period when the Babylonians were becoming a mighty nation and Jerusalem was about to fall. It would have probably been just after the last good king of Judah, who was Josiah, when the nation had now fallen back into sin. Judah was one of a number of smaller states struggling to navigate the dangerous political and military cross-currents of the day. Some perspective, the prophet Jeremiah, who was a contemporary of Habakkuk, had also prophesied the demise of Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians. And we pick up with Habakkuk. We find him at the beginning of chapter 1, despairing at the sinful state around him and questioning what God is going to do about it. We often, I think, get wrapped up in this idea that where is God in the dark world that's around us. Larry mentioned about a friend diagnosed with cancer, cancer diagnosis, unexpected death, trauma that's found in life. We often question these things. We wonder, where is God in all of this? And does He really seem silent? And that, that is why I think this is a perfect place to end our series on vision, because I believe we can relate with the idea of waiting on God, with questions. Habakkuk is a mirror reflecting the struggle within the souls of God's people. Then, of course, back then, but also now, today, in this room, the world aches, we see pain and struggle, and strife. And you may find yourselves asking, why? There are so many questions. There are so many questions we don't have answers to. Think about it. 
Why do they say an alarm clock is going off when it's really coming on? Why do we park on a driveway and drive on a parkway? Here's one. Why do we say I slept like a baby? Whoever coined that phrase obviously did not ever have a baby in their house. If a man goes into a forest and says something with no woman around, is he still wrong? Here you go. If you throw a cat out of a moving car, is it called kitty litter? Come on, you know it's funny. If the opposite of pro is con, then it must mean the opposite of progress is Congress. Right? I'm using these examples, but seriously, there, there are moments when questions, moments in life, when they don't make sense. This is why we end here. Because frankly, it is more likely for some of us to question the things happening in our lives, in our world, and feel as though God is silent. It's more likely to feel as though He's not listening, not responding. And as I said before, without blessing, how strong really is our faith? So let's dive in. I want to look at a few second sections of Habakkuk through the, the lens of vision, beginning, well, at the beginning. Here we see one of the first things I want to talk about today, one of the first big ideas I want you to take away, and that's the Habakkuk's persistence in prayer. Let me read Habakkuk chapter 1, this is verses 1 through 4. The pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw, verse 2, how long, Lord, must I call for help, and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence, and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. God needs to see. God needs to hear what our heart really desires. It's one thing to pray, Lord, direct me in your will and quite another to petition God daily, seeking the answer and the direction of His will. And it's a completely different level to be willing to follow it and obey, no matter the cost. We see here that Habakkuk has cried out to God many times, and his heart has become more and more burdened. We, we can pray for the salvation of, of people, but then we can be discouraged when God doesn't swoop in and save the day. You know, sometimes God waits for our hearts to be broken for those people. You could be sitting on a God-given gift, sitting there today with talents, with skills, gifts that God gave you to use for His kingdom, and you haven't felt led. You haven't relinquished control and said, okay, God, use me. Make me an instrument. (laughs) As I wrote this, I, I chuckled because we get so discouraged when God doesn't answer us, but we expect Him to wait until we are ready. What are you waiting for? In whatever way that we are seeking direction or an answer from God, He he wants to see whether this is really the desire of our hearts. You know, and then God answers. We have to realize that when we are sincere in asking God for an answer, God will always give us one and show us the right direction. However, you you can't be surprised if it isn't always the answer that we want or even the answer that we expect. God answers Habakkuk here. 
but he tells him that he is raising up the Babylonians in order to punish the sin around, the sin around him. He's using a nation that is more sinful than Israel has ever been. You may, you may feel this morning that you haven't really done much for God. And you may be desperately seeking His direction and His meaning for Him to reveal His vision for your life. You can ask Him every day for a direction, but you have to be prepared because God will answer. God will say something like, you can run, but you can't hide. Or He will say, Adam, you you really want to serve me in my kingdom? Yes, God, direct me to your will. Good. Go clean the church toilets. (laughs) Chris Barnes, yeah, I knew that, I knew that was going to come. Chris shook her head, yep. Uh, Chris, Chris asked me to instill a, a sixth core value here at Nicholson, uh, that we believe cleanliness is next to godliness. Uh, I told her no. Um, <laughs> but, but, and then you say to the Lord, but Lord, I, I want to be like Billy Graham. I, I want to matter. I want meaning. I want to do something powerful for you. Good. Then go clean the church toilets or whatever it might be. Greet people at the door, change diapers in the toddler room, push a button back in the tech booth, sing or play an instrument on the worship team. Have you guys noticed we've added a couple, couple very talented people to the worship team today, or this week, or this, this month, this sermon series? There may be people out there right now sitting on gifts, sitting on skills, and God is pushing you, but you're not saying, use me. Sometimes the answer is not always the one we want, but we have to accept that God knows, He he knows a little more than us, and we have to accept His direction. Habakkuk finds out later in the book that this answer, this answer from God about the Babylonians, this is not His final answer. Part of seeking God for an answer is accepting that answer when it comes. Why pray for it when, if you won't accept it? Why pray for it? Why pray for God's path if you won't follow Him? Habakkuk isn't, isn't too thrilled about God's plan, but he accepts, he accepts God's answer, knowing that God is holy and just. He asks God how He can allow such an evil nation to punish Israel. Now, this time, when he poses his question, we see another area of Habakkuk's life that allows him to listen to God. Look at the first verse of chapter 2. This is what it says. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. Habakkuk goes to the lookout tower to wait for an answer. Now, in most translations, we'll use the the phrase watchtower or ramparts, but either way, the the meaning remains the same. The lookout tower was a place in military terms to watch out for the enemy so that they, they they aren't able to enter and cause destruction. It's also a high place to get a clear view free of any distractions. When we spend time seeking God and dwelling in His presence through prayer, through worship, reading Scripture, and simply being quiet before Him. He takes us up, and He allows us to see more clearly His will and how He is working behind the scenes. This is the second idea I want us to focus on, the second idea that I want you to take away today. Looking out from the lookout 
Here we see that one of the keys to seeking a path, a direction, a vision from God is simply to seek Him first and patiently wait for His presence, free of distractions. But, but in this lookout tower, there's one thing I mentioned before about its purpose. It's also to guard against the enemy that may be approaching. Throughout the Bible, we can see that watchtowers were not only built around cities and fortresses, but interestingly enough, they were built around vineyards to watch out for intruders, animal or human. You see, the vine is very important in the Bible. It represents everything that is Christian, the fruit of the Spirit. It's a symbol of peace and prosperity, and and even Jesus Himself with us as His branches. Jesus used the vine in five of His parables. It was so important that nothing was allowed to get in and destroy or steal the crop. It's therefore no coincidence that Habakkuk took to the watchtower when he was waiting for God to give him the answer. In in the same way, when we need an answer from God, it's essential that we are guarding against any sin that's coming into our lives. The space in our lookout tower must be full, leaving no room for the enemy. This is both for us as individuals and for us as a church. We can't expect vision from God if we allow any form of sin to enter in and destroy the vine. We need to make sure that our lives are being lived right before we can expect God to direct us. And God does answer Habakkuk. Look at chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The Lord answered me, write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. You know, God goes on to say the righteous shall be safe because of their faith, but that He will punish the wicked. That is exactly what Habakkuk was waiting for. Scripture doesn't tell us if he had been up there waiting for five minutes or five months. Do you know why it doesn't tell us that? Because it doesn't matter. Habakkuk waited and he looked out. The only problem is that God isn't going to fulfill His promise for some time. So how familiar does that sound to you this morning? How many of you are waiting on guidance, waiting on an answer, not sure when God is going to reveal Himself in your life? So Habakkuk has to learn to trust in God's promise. What's that song, Standing on the Promises of God? Even though he can't see it. But how can we live as if the answer has been already been received when we can't see it yet? How hard is that? Come on. We know the answer's been given to us. Those that are strong in their faith, you know the answer. But how do we live as though it hasn't, because it hasn't come yet? See, this is the third idea. It's the third thing I want you to take away this morning. We have to see a victory. Habakkuk is told to write the answer down on stone tablets. This this shows the seriousness of God's promise, similar to when he wrote the the Ten Commandments. But this time, it's a one-way contract. He then gives this to others to spread the word. It's important that when we receive an answer from God that's in the future, we keep that answer safe. We can write it down or we can keep reciting it as long and as strong until it's as strong and sturdy as a stone. You know, another thing to look at is how Habakkuk praises God even though he can't see the victory of God's answer in the world around him. 
The third and final chapter of Habakkuk is a psalm of praise to God. Habakkuk remembers the faithfulness of God in the past through study and saturation of his word. And he praises God for the things that he's going to do even though God hasn't done them yet. God, may we have the same attitude whenever God has given us an answer that is for the future. May our voices reflect Habakkuk's confidence in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 3. Listen to this. Though the fig... Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, listen, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. When we feel as though there is no fruit, when our efforts are unnoticed, when we feel as though God is distant or missing, we need to rejoice in the fact that we can stand firmly on His promises. So how does God's plan end up? Well, the Babylonians, they do take Jerusalem. But they were punished, and Israel eventually returns. God told Habakkuk that the revelation speaks of the end. And we can trust now that in the last days the wicked will be punished, and although the faithful will have to endure, they will be saved. Just as Habakkuk's answer was realized, so will any answer that God gives us individually or as a church. Michelle and I never understood why our girls were stuck in DRC for almost five years. But here's some reality this morning. Selah would not exist if those girls had come home. We probably would not have had another child with three three-year-olds in the house. And Selah brings us so much joy and has absolutely completed our family. But I have to believe that we would have done everything possible to not include that. And you know what else? We, we've, been part, we've been a part of a lot of church families We've been a, lot, a part of church families who have been on this adoption journey with us. Everywhere we went, we even we attended a church for a while where we even brought both ends burning into the church and showed a documentary called Stuck to raise awareness for what was going on. Michelle and I created an organization called Arm in Arm where we supplemented the food. We supplemented the food for the organization, for the, or, the orphanage uh, that the girls lived in. Because we wanted to make sure, we didn't want them to become dependent on us, but we wanted to make sure that they were taken care of, that they were provided for. But here's the thing, Nicholson, we attended all those other churches. I believe God intended for those girls to be part of this church family. They were intended to be here. Janie McKnight is so incredibly important to my girls. She gives up one hour a week and she has become so important in their lives. They were intended, they, they were always part, supposed to be part of this church family. Coming down off the mountain, we still don't understand why we had to wait. But we sure do know that God is good all of the time. I don't know the situation that you find yourselves in today. But I'm certain that every single person in this room needs answers from God. We all need direction. We all need vision 
throughout our walk, we should seek constant communication with God. Even you, you may even be looking for multiple answers. You may have problems in your marriage or your family, and you need to know why or how to proceed. You may be struggling with some sort of, of addiction, be it drugs, alcohol, pornography, anything, any addiction, any sin in your life keeping you away from God. You may be struggling through this, and you're reaching for restoration and relief. You may be seeking discernment with ministry in your job or with a problem in which you don't know where to turn. This is where, this is where those ideas come into play that we've talked about today. You have to be persistent in prayer. You have to look out from the lookout. And you have to see a victory. You know, if you follow Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you know how this story ends. If you don't, I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert this morning. We win. We win. So as we come to this time for you to respond to what you've heard today, I want to ask your heart, where are you in your walk? Are you someone who said, I've never I've never confessed my faith in Jesus Christ. I've never had the opportunity to repent and turn away from sin in my life. I've let it run rampant. I've let it run all over me. And I've never been baptized. If that's you this morning, come talk to me. I've I've been saying it every week. Today is your day. Here's the thing. In Scripture, every time, Every time baptism is defined, it's tied to your salvation. So if you're someone out there today who says, I'm saved, but when you ask yourself, have I been baptized? Dig deeper and come talk to me. Maybe you're someone who says, you know what? I'm all in at Nicholson. I'm here. I'm ready to join this church. I'm ready to respond in big, big faith. Come talk to me today. Let's hear your prayer of confession. And if you don't know what that is, here you go. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, if that's something that you echo, that you've not stood before a congregation and said, let's do it today. Church, I love you. I love this congregation. This congregation is so incredibly important to our family. And I want what is absolutely best for you, and that is a life in Christ. If that's not you today, come talk to me. Myself and an elder will be up here. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to hear your heart. Let's stand together. We're going to go into worship. We're going to spend some time in worship. And as we do, the worship team is actually going to sing See a Victory. And we've sang this a couple of times through this series, but today it means something. Shout that victory to the Lord today. Let's pray. Father God, you are incredible. 
the provision you give us in our lives, the foresight, the understanding, the comprehension, the love is beyond comprehension. It's beyond understanding. And I know there are hearts in this room that are struggling. I know there are hearts in this room that need you desperately. Eliminate the space that's in that heart and fill it with courage. Fill it with strength to come forward and to walk in light. Father, you are sovereign. You rule all. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the victory. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.